Pastor Xavier Reese with a proverb for the importance of discipline. He says, Chase thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. While there is that hope, while there is that hope, we have to be diligent to minister to our children. You want to discipline your children? Go to the Proverbs. Go to the Scriptures. Ask for wisdom. And don't fret when they cry. They're not going to die. Chasing them while there's hope. Very simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. With the new school year underway, do you ever wonder if your children or grandchildren will be tainted by the world? Well, you can't follow them everywhere, but you can cloak them with the Word of God. Today, Pastor Xavier shares the importance of learning to live by the wisdom that is provided by God in His Word. And these are simple truths we can pass on to the generations that follow in our footsteps. Let's continue now our verse-by-verse study series of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter... So let's start with chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So here the contrast between the poor who is walking in his integrity and the perverse person, the degenerate person who really is a fool by the way he walks. Also, that the soul be without knowledge. It is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. So here we have the contrast of that guy that has knowledge. Without that knowledge, it's not good for him. But then a fool, he always moves fast. And we see this many times in our life, you know, especially when we're young. You know, you really don't have everything up there put together. And, and you're too impatient and you just hurry through and there's consequences that you cannot alter. And this is a reference to him. Now in verse 3 he says, The foolishness of a man is perverted his ways, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Okay, here the foolish man walking without wisdom. Verse 4 says, Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Okay, uh, many people are very wealthy, they're very well off. And they really don't know who their friends really are. I think that's one of the dangers in the world. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. If you're poor, you know who your friends are and who doesn't like you because they tell you where to go and they don't have any problem telling you. But when you have money, it's very difficult because they're all, you don't know if they're buttering you up. I think this would be one of the hardest things for me if I was a man and had a whole bunch of things and women were always after you or even guys, how would you know who really loved you? I think this is one of the biggest problems and really tragedies to very beautiful women. They never really know if the man really loves them or they're just lusting after them or whatever. I mean, do they really love you for yourself? I think there is a real value. And you have wealth, you're going to have people always trying to fleece you. You're going to have people, you know, buttering up to you and everything else. And I, don't, I think it'd be very hard to know who your friends really were. And that's tragic. Verse 5 says, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. So that's a confirmation of what the Word speaks all the way through. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Okay, the... 
scriptures declare about how gifts blind the judge. And there are always those that are trying to um, gain favor by gifts and that. If the gift is in the right attitude and it's given out of love, then there's benefit that comes from that aspect of the gift. But that gift that is given in, in terms of to gain favor or to bribe, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wrong. He says, all the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. Okay, and the poor again here, he is, he's put out and he knows exactly where he stands. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. So here he's speaking about soul, the area of the emotions, the, the, um, the area of, of, of that intellectual area of man's life. If he gets wisdom, uh, he loves his soul. It's going to bring peace to him. And by keeping understanding, he will find good. The application of that as he lives his life out, that he's going to reap to that good benefit. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. So a fool doesn't really delight in anything. He's only concerned with the immediate and with what gratifies him. He delights in nothing, really. It's only after his own pleasures. Uh, and it would be equally as wrong or off the wall if um, a servant would rule over uh, princes. It doesn't, it doesn't fit the case. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. How many times we add to our own hurt when we lack this, even as Christians? We really don't have discretion enough to defer uh, anger. We give in to it, and we add to our own hurt. And then he says there, uh, if really it's, it's his glory to pass over transgression. You know, sometimes, and all of us are prone to this, uh, we get upset about something that happens and, and um, we blow up and actually we end up hurting ourselves because we say things we really don't mean or we say things we really mean and, and make greater gaps between us. <laughs> and um, sometimes it's better just to pass it off and just walk away. And, and it's better for my own life. I'm at peace and I don't have to think it over and toss it over and over and add to my own hurt and it's just better to walk away. Verse 12 says, The king's wrath is as a roaring lion, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. And the contrasting uh, when you're in the bad side of him or the good side of him. Notice when a lion roars. He doesn't roar before catching his prey. He roars after he's got a hold of him. <laughs> okay, and that's too late. You're dead. Verse 13 says, A foolish son is a calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are the continual dropping. Chinese torture. Okay? It's bad enough to have a bad son, but to have a bad wife, that's terrible. Because you've got to live with her all the days of your life. And that's what the Proverbs are saying. The Proverbs have much to say about women, both positive and negative. Solomon seems to give us a lot of advice. And uh, I think he's an authority. He had a thousand of them. And I think he probably had all kinds. And um, we should probably pay heed to that, even though we may only have one in a lifetime. Verse 14 says, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. There's the positive side. You know, it's such a blessing when you can be blessed with a godly woman. 
And it can be just a life of hell on earth to have an ungodly woman or a contentious woman or a rebellious woman or a woman that's always opposing you when you want to do the will of God or a woman that is not totally sold out to God as God would have you and as you are to God. It's always a division to your home. It's always a conflict. There's always a battle. Here the Lord says that riches and houses are inheritance of fathers. I mean, it's good. It's beneficial. And then he puts it side by side and a prudent wife is from the Lord. What a blessing to get married to a godly mate and not only to a wife, but a husband we could put here. And if you're not married, man, that is the most important decision you ever make in your life outside of, this, outside of salvation. Don't be hasty and get married because your heart skips a beat when you saw this girl or this guy or because you got a tingle in your spine or because, you know, you just got a good feeling. I get a good feeling when I'm tired and I go to bed and lay down there for a while, but that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, you can get a lot of good feelings about something, but they go away. I mean, it's, it's so important. I mean, you're going to spend the rest of your life with that woman and with that man. Every morning you roll over in bed, you're going to see that same mug for the rest of your life. <laughs> Every day. And you can always say, I do. But you can't always say, I don't, once you say, I do. You see? So you want to make sure that it is of God. You know, and we, we laugh at it and we joke about it and it's neat as we learn from it. But in the short time that I've been in the Lord... I've seen such tragedies in marriage and people that have been in the Lord, people that said, hey, I just know it's of God. Hey, the Lord brought us together. So positive, so certain. And the only thing that was certain was tragedy. Don't take a chance with your life. Now when you're talking about marriage and then there's children involved and everything else. Make sure, man, that it's that woman that God has you to marry and that man. And the only requirement for your wife and your husband should be that they're godly. That's it. That they love the Lord, they're serving Him, and they sold out. And that's the requirement. Verse 15 says, Slothfulness casts them to a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. So here again, Solomon really hits the slothful, the lazy guy. Slothfulness equals hunger. You know, people are too lazy to even work, so they go around begging. He that keepeth the commandments keepeth his own soul, but he that despises his ways shall die. That's pretty direct. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he repay him again. That's interesting. If you've never read the law, the first five books, I challenge you to read it. It is tedious if you've never read it and uh, it takes a little bit of uh, diligence to it. But you'd be surprised how many times God speaks about the poor and how he takes the, the cause of the poor up so many times. The provisions that he has within the law for the poor, for the widow, for the fatherless. All the time. And here he says, if you lend to the poor, um, you lend to the Lord. And the Lord doesn't bypass that. He will reward you. And whatever you do as unto the Lord, don't broadcast it. Let the Lord take care of it. It's so important. 
You know, and when it's really of the Lord and the Lord has showed you a need and, and you really can do it and you want to do it and it just comes forth, you know, when, when it's like that and it's in that attitude and that spirit, when you give it, man, there's just so much reward in that. You just feel need and, and you know it's of the Lord and, and you know you've blessed somebody and as you've seen them blessed, you are blessed even more. And that's exciting. He says, Chase thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Now, we all understand this because when we were kids, the minute our dad started beating us, we started screaming bloody murder after the first swat. Hopefully, he would stop. You know, sometimes we, we think that, you know, our children are really hurting, you know. But yet, child psychology, they, they catch on. And yet, it says here that I should chasten my son while there's hope. And I shouldn't allow his crying to discourage me from physical spankings now when i say spankings i mean spankings right where god has given them a nice developed area and that's where it should be applied i don't believe you should slap them upside the head i don't believe you should hit them with your fist i don't believe you should kick them with your feet i believe you should get a little switch when it says a rod it doesn't mean a two by four a little switch <laughs> something that'll just sting them enough so they'll remember a little sting Put it somewhere so when you have to use it, you have to go get it so you can cool off. So when you come back, you, can, you know why you're disciplining. You're not going to beat him out of your anger. And meanwhile, you're going to get it and he's in his room. He's thinking about it and he knows what you're going to go get and he's going to be regretting it. He's going to be repenting. By the time you get there, he's ready to repent. <laughs> you're both thinking about it and there is good consequences from it. You know, these hands are to worship the Lord, not to beat people with that's what God gave me these hands for, to worship him. And I, don't, and I don't encourage physical punishment right off the bat or always. But I don't believe that you should neglect it either. Each of us have the responsibility to know the balance and to know who, when, and how. Because all of our children are different. You want to discipline your children? Go to the Proverbs. Go to the Scriptures. Ask for wisdom. And don't fret when they cry. They're not going to die. Chasten them while there's hope. You only have them for about three years. Do you know that? You keep them till they're 18. A third of their life, they sleep. That makes them 12. A third of their life, they go to school. That makes them six. The first three years are too little to do anything. You have your child three years. Now, how much time do you spend out of those three years and out of 18? That's heavy. Do you know how important that influence is when you do make contact and communication with your child? Man, we got to be careful. Verse 19 says, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment for if thou deliver him yet thou must do it again have you ever met people like that you help them out and help them out and they just like the pig to the vomit or the, should I say the pig to the mire and the dog to the vomit <laughs> you know they just don't learn it's just every time you're there and to help them it just get deeper and deeper and deeper or they go back to the same thing and there comes a time when you, you just have to stop casting your pearls to the swine. You have to just give them up and pray for them. Paul speaks about that man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, that was sleeping with his stepmother. He says, even as if I am present in the spirit, I've already turned that man over to Satan. I hope you do the same thing. But then in his other epistle, it says, don't count him as an enemy, count him as a brother. Pray for him. But set that division so he knows that you don't approve of this conduct. Very important. Verse 20 says, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Wisdom. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, 
that shall stand. Now, I like this scripture because I don't know my heart all the time. Sometimes I think I'm really doing what God wants me to do and I'm not doing it. So I have to continually lift my heart to the Lord because my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, Jeremiah says. Out of my heart comes fornication, adultery, everything else, Jesus says. But what's interesting that even though I don't know my own heart all the time, it says, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. God is going to get his will done in my life if my heart is sincere to do the Lord's will. Even though I may not be doing the right thing, if I, I'm open to the Lord, God will direct my heart and my actions as long as my attitude is right. And that's what God looks at. The desire of a man is in his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. It's kind of interesting that the reverence of the Lord is equated to life, but the life is equated to satisfaction. How many times we have abundant and eternal life in the Lord, but we can't really live it out because we're not satisfied with what we have or who we are or where we're at. We make ourselves miserable. God is blessing us. God is ministering unto us. But then we look around at something where we say, oh, but I'm not satisfied. How come them and not me? The proverb says also that hell and destruction are never full and neither are the eyes of man ever satisfied. The more we have, the more we want. This is the danger in my life, in your life. We have to pray that God give us wisdom for a balance on everything, on a house, car, clothes, the things I purchase. There comes a time that every one of us will experience in our life at different levels that we will have enough of everything. What do we do after we reach that point? Do we keep buying things and purchasing things and possessing things? Or do we acknowledge this is all I can use and I seek the Lord for wisdom? Now what should I do, Lord? Balance in the Christian life. Paul tells the Corinthians that we should have the lightest touches on this world. There's nothing wrong with having things, but make sure that the things you have you use and you don't lose the value of things because then you become wasteful and the person that's wasteful is the brother to the slothful, the proverb said last week. They're both as wrong. They're both equally as guilty. One is too lazy and the other one has lost the value of things. They're both sins. I pray that God teaches us how to be satisfied. Paul says he's learned how to be abased and how to abound. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. There is a context of that scripture, not the way many Christians quote it. <laughs> He says he can do all things through Christ Jesus. The context is to abide with little or with much. No big deal. There's the context. Verse 24 says, A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Now that's being lazy. You'll starve to death because you're too lazy to even stick it in your mouth. Smite a scorner and the simple will beware. And reprove one that hath understanding and he will understand knowledge. So it speaks of the benefit. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. He's a creep if he does that. It speaks of a child that really has no respect. And we really have this today very um, personified in, in the youth. There's real no, really no respect for the elderly. 
I think that's one of the greatest sins in the American people, that they really have not respected their elderly people. Neither have they made use of the wisdom of the elderly. And I believe that's partly the reason why we're in the trouble we're in in our society, because we haven't paid heed to them. Seize my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Very simple there. Judgments are prepared for scorners and strife for the back of fools. Chapter 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Alcohol is something that is very controversial and sometimes uh, becomes the topic of discussion among Christians. And yet as we look to the scriptures for the evidence of strong drink or wine, we see that when Noah got off the boat, he planted a vineyard and he became intoxicated and um, he was laying in his tent drunk and one of his sons saw him and he gazed upon him in the, turn, in the form of mockery and he went to get his other brothers uh, that they might equally uh, mock their father, but they did not. They covered him. So we see that there are consequences to alcohol. We see that David himself tried to cover in sin by um, getting um, Bathsheba's husband drunk. When it didn't work, he had him killed, put in the heat of the battle. We see alcohol continuously always being a destruction. Now, I think there are some wrong concepts that we have as Christians that sometimes we tell people, well, if you drink, you cannot be a Christian. I don't find that anywhere in the scriptures. Or we tell somebody, well, if, if you're a Christian, you can't smoke. I don't find that in the scriptures. Do you know Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, used to smoke stinky, smelly cigars? He was a godly man. Now, I don't advocate that you put a big old smelly cigar in your mouth. And I'm not saying that if you're a Christian, you can drink and you should drink. But I'm saying that it's equally as wrong to tell people that they cannot be saved. I believe if you're born again, God will minister to you and take away those things that are not edifying to the body of Christ and to the life of Christ. Alcohol will, first of all, it's a depressant. You know, and, and you think you're feeling bad, so you go out and you take a couple of drinks, it's going to cheer you up. It's not going to cheer you up. It's going to put you worse. Second of all, it gives you false courage. You think you can whip the whole world. You wake up in the emergency ward. You know, and, and we have to use wisdom. I don't think you'd go to hell for drinking a beer. But yet you've got to look at yourself to see, hey, what does God call me to be? My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And I want to glorify God in spirit and in truth. And if you feel that you're free, then you're free. But my freedom equally has to be examined. What's it going to do to my brother? And I think that is the limit of my freedom. When my freedom starts infringing upon the freedom of others, then I have to look upon it. So here the proverb speaks of that wine as a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's important that we live with a sound mind, with the mind of Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese and a gentle reminder to surrender everything to the Lord. 
more important simple truths we draw from a verse-by-verse study series of the book of Proverbs on today's Simple Truths. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. The title to ask for is Proverbs chapters 19 through 24. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you share these truths by passing on this study to someone in your church or Bible study once you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is Proverbs chapters 19 through 24, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com